Welcome to Intimate Conversation with your girl, Talitha Kume, presented by Food for the Soul Media Group on Hot 702.5 FM. And we are live on our FB page, Food for the Soul. And I just want to say my quote of the day, and it is, who are we as human beings if we ignore the sufferings of others? So stay tuned, y'all, and we will be right back. Hey, y'all. Hey, what y'all doing? Tune in to Intimate Conversations presented by Food for the Soul Media Group on Hot 702.5 FM Radio every Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What's up with the news we don't hear about? We're talking about it. If you're wondering if the whole world is tripping or it's just you, we're talking about it. Who's that? Who said that? Can we say that? Should we say that? We just did. Download the app at MixLR on the Google Play Store or Apple Store or tune in live every week on www.hot7025fm.com, Facebook Live or YouTube. Intimate Conversations with me, Talitha Kume, every Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Brought to you by Food for the Soul Media or Lay Worldwide. I am Talitha Kume and Bobby B. Hey, 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 welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to Food for the Soul, um, Intimate Conversations with Talitha Kume, uh, here on Hot 702.5 FM and live on our Food for the Soul FB page. You guys, if you guys haven't already, go like our page, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube stations, Food for the Soul Media Group, and Intimate Conversations. And remember, if you would like to be a part of our conversation, you can do so by calling in at 702 702- five five one five two six one and you guys you guys can also comment on our page as well um if you guys don't want to call in but don't forget to hashtag us at hashtag food for the soul and hashtag intimate conversations you guys and so i'm always kind of racing in the building um sorry for that you guys but um just still learning las vegas making sure that i don't get lost when i'm traveling uh because i tend to kind of take the wrong turns sometimes and um, that's why you see me kind of running in here. But um, today, you guys, I'm in the studio by myself once again. And our show topic for today is Riches to Rags. And it is Homeless in Las Vegas. I theme my months every month to talk about um, something different the whole month and try and kind of um, pattern my shows or anything I talk about around that specific theme. And so our theme for the month of November is the short end of the stick and so I just wanted to weigh in on an epidemic around the country but close to home here in Vegas and so um I feel like the subject needed to be addressed you guys because nobody talks about it and that's what my show is about it's basically about talking about things that we don't like to talk about or um things that we are afraid to talk about things that are taboo um and so that's the reason why I chose to talk about this subject and you guys so I just have to tell like a little bit of backstory when I moved here I had no idea about I can't say I didn't have any idea because I did have an idea because I would see, you know, people on the streets, people living on the streets, homeless people here and there. But I had no idea how big of an epidemic homelessness is. And so a lot of us who have never been plagued with that, we don't know how bad it is out here on the streets, you guys. And so like we ride down the streets of our neighborhoods here in, in, in Las Vegas where we are. And um, less than a 10-minute drive from the Strip, I, I see, sometimes I see homeless people for miles. And um, more in some areas uh, uh, than others, but still, it's kind of the same scene. Men and women, sometimes kids sleeping on the sidewalks, camped out in front of stores, gas stations, walking around in circles, having conversations with imaginary people. And it just literally breaks my heart. And I And my husband can tell you that when we first moved out here and I saw that I just I, I literally I got emotional and I and I cried because I wasn't used to seeing that I wasn't used to seeing people who you know who have no home um who are out here just trying to make it day by day and um coming from Dallas I lived in Dallas uh, we, we moved from Dallas here and also live in Kansas City for a little bit. I was born and raised in Southern California. And I know that Southern California does have a lot of homelessness as well. But fortunately for myself, I wasn't, I, I didn't witness that, right? And so I think I might have been 
past skid row when I was a kid maybe but I never saw um the the actual needs of the people that live out there and so since we've been out here it's been like right in my face because it's actually a certain street that I go down every day when I'm going to work and there are just people galore outside um waiting for something not sure if they're you know I don't know what they're waiting for but they're out there they seem to be waiting um they seem to be just trying to um pick up the pieces of their life trying to you know figure out where their next meal is coming from trying to do extra work or different things like that to get some type of income to be able to um go get personal hygiene things or or anything like that you guys and so I want to talk about what can we do about it or what are we going to do about it and I'm going to I found a couple of articles because I was really, really researching the subject out here and across the country because I wanted to um, present some knowledge to you all and uh, make sure that you guys were aware and you guys could think of some of the things that you may be able to do to help out that community. So I did a show last year with my good friend Kasha Brown from In the Mix with Kasha Brown, and we asked the question, could we be one check away from homelessness? And studies absolutely prove that we definitely could be. And with this pandemic, um, that has halted our entire world. It's more possible more than ever. And so talking about the homeless, I always keep in mind, and you need to keep in mind, that that could absolutely be me and that could absolutely be you. So, you know, a lot of Americans are one check away from homelessness. And so to fix the problem or to help fix the problem, I think we need to start with us. We need to start with us uh, giving a damn pretty much and um, looking out for those that are less fortunate than us because one day it could be us, you know? And so I'm gonna read an article, a Las Vegas article that I found and it's entitled The Homeless Population of Las Vegas, Drugs and Despair. And so it says for generations, Las Vegas has been a city that has embodied the heights and excess of the American dream. For thousands of people, however, that dream did not pan out. Lured by promises and hopes of good luck and quick fortunes, they found only drugs and dejection, sorry, in the shadows of some of the most iconic monuments of wealth. The homeless population of Las Vegas lives one day at a time, surrounded by decadence and squalor. Some of them are content, some of them are content albeit reluctantly, to live out their days underground. Others wait until sunset to go to the surface and panhandle on street corners. They rifle through dumpsters, trash cans, and back alleys, looking for discarded coins, tokens, cards, and winnings left by careless and awestruck tourists. The NPR reports that some homeless people even have good suits that they keep in the tunnels, all the better to walk into a casino and pretend like they are guests as they surreptitiously search for money a process known as silver mining or credit hustling. And it's not a comfortable life, the article says. Homeless people are at, are at risk for being mugged or even murdered and a transient existence in, in non-conducive to health and hygiene. And so it says that, it goes on to say that the plaid zebra writes that some nuclear families live in the sewers of Las Vegas. For the people living in the Las Vegas sewers, there is added danger of the sewers serving their intended purpose. The excess rainwater that we get being channeled through the tunnels can lead to destruction of what few possessions that they have. And then at worst, it can literally drown them in waters that rise by a foot every minute. And so it says that most homeless people are normal Americans who have simply lost their way. Unfortunately, the system is rarely of any help to them. In Clark County, local officials estimate that 1.8% of the population, which is 34,397 residents, are homeless. Some sleep in shelters, others sleep on the street. A survey five years ago found that most of them are white and middle-aged men between the ages of 51 and 60. 13% of those who answered the survey are veterans, and 71% become homeless or became homeless while living in the area. And of that 71%, half of them attributed the loss of their jobs to why they were homeless. But many others also have medical conditions and mental health illnesses that forced them out of their jobs and homes. And so I wanted to do um, 
I was trying to do research as far as Las Vegas was concerned, and then I wanted to do research as far as the nation and what we see um, uh, nationwide, right, in the United States of America. And so when I Googled uh, the homeless population of 2020, it said that most of the homeless population is, it says 194,467 uh, people, 35% were unsheltered homeless people, 358,363, which is 65%, were sheltered. So it says the overall homeless population on a single night represents 0.2% of the United States population, or 17 people per 10,000 in the population. And so when you look at the statistics, that's not a lot of people per, you know, 17 per 10,000. It's, it's, it's just kind of a, you know, a drop in the bucket. But when you look at the overall picture as far as some of the areas where we live or some of the states that you live in, you'll see the jumps in how um, the homeless people are portrayed in your specific state or in your specific city. And so it said that um, the top 10 states that have the most homeless are California, New York, Florida, Texas, Washington, Massachusetts, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Ohio. And so um, looking at this, although Las Vegas didn't make the top 10, almost 60% of Nevada's, Nevada's approximately 7,500 homeless residents sleep outdoors, and they share that is among the highest in the country, according to this, this study was done in 2018, you guys. And so most of the people that are homeless in Nevada, unfortunately, most of them are concentrated in Clark County, which is where we are, which is where Las Vegas is. And it's the state's largest metropolitan area, according to the annual Southern Nevada Homeless Census. And the homeless population here is disproportionately black for whatever reason, right, um, compared to the population of Clark County. And it includes more than 550 homeless veterans and more than 300 unaccompanied children according to the local census, you guys. And those numbers are rising every single day. And so I just wanted to touch on that, you guys, because um, for me, I was trying to figure out a way that I could just kind of give back, you know, and kind of help that community. And like I said, because I see that on a consistent basis, and I actually go into my job, I know that there are different ways to go a lot of times, but I, I purposely take the same route every day just so I could um, remind myself of of where I could be, you know what I'm saying? And not that, you know, I want to kind of dig the knife in or, you know, I'm a glutton for, for, or for uh, poverty, but just passing by there every day and just kind of thanking God that I'm not in that position and then really trying to figure out what I can do to help. Um, it just, it, it inspires me every day. It inspires me every day to say, you know, that because God has blessed me with somewhere to stay, you know, I have food to eat every day. Um, I have clothes on my back. My, my family is taken care of. I have a job, you know, how can I help these people kind of gain some of that back? Even if it's not the, um, you know, giving, helping with a job or anything like that, you know, how can I help with assisting, uh, providing food or um, providing clothing or different things like that to make sure that some of these people are um, taken care of, you guys. And so I found a few more articles, and I'm going to go through them, and we're going to kind of get into it. But I would love to hear your opinion, some of you guys that are listening here in Las Vegas, some of you guys that are listening um, outside of the area on what type of things that you have seen done or what type of things you can do just as a normal average citizen to help those that are less fortunate than us. Um, hit me on um, on our page, Hot 702.5 FM, or you can go to our personal page, Food for the Soul Media Group, and hit us up on there and talk back to me and let me know. Y'all know I don't like being in the studio by myself, but I did not have a guest this week, so I am, I am, um, I, I'm in here trying to do my thing. Somebody's saying, what's the stats for homeless trannies? I would assume they are at a higher risk. Now, 
um, for um, I did not look. You, you mean transgenders? I'm assuming that's what you mean, Bobby. So I, I don't know uh, what the homeless population is for transgenders here or um, in the United States proper. But if you can look that up for me and post on here and let me know um, what it is. But yeah, I I I, I absolutely believe that that would be um, higher risk of transgender uh, people, uh, those that are um, in the L. LGBTQ community that are getting kicked out of their homes and they're having to live on the streets. And now, you know, I heard, um, I heard something, uh, I want to say that it might have been in Texas, I think, I want to say that the governor out there had made, um, had passed a law for, um, for social services to be able to discriminate against disabled people and, L and the LGBTQ Q community and I'm not sure if that's right so somebody make sure that I'm right on that because I remember posting it on my page I thought and what a great disservice what a great disservice um that 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 they would pass that law and I'm not saying that they would deserve preferential treatment but they deserve the same treatment that anybody else who's in that position would deserve so why would you pass a law that says that you can discriminate that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me because we're already discriminated. There's so many people that are discriminated against because a lot of people working in different positions, they have biases, you know, and I hate to say it, but they do. Even people that are in the service industry that are supposed to be uh, fair and that are just that just want to help, period. They have biases on who they think deserves help or something like that, which makes no sense to me. Bobby said that they are. Um, they are cast out. Absolutely, they are. But um, if you can find out that number for me, I would like to know uh, what that number is as far as that community um, as well, because I feel like that, you know, we, we need to do something across the board. We need to help that community. We need to help our veterans, of course, um, and we need to help our mentally ill, because some of, some of the people that are out there, you guys, they, they have a serious mental illness. And so there's um, if there's no help for them, if there's no services for them to get better or to get medication, then they're going to continue to be out there. Now, then some people are are out there, you know, because of loss of job or different things like that. And those are the things that I believe that we can absolutely help with by just um, sharing some information to them, being able to provide um it, it, different types of workshops. I'm not sure if the Salvation Army or, or any of those uh, programs, organizations do those type of things because I've not worked with them before, but I am actually um, in talks with a few organizations out here because of a project that I'm going to be starting. But yeah, having workshops for homeless people who who have are out there because they need a job. You know, uh, do we have workshops for them? Um, people who are out there who just might need... Um, you know, they might need clothing. You know, anything might have happened to their home. We don't know. They might not have the clothes or the proper um, channels to be able to go out and, and go on interviews or different things like that. And so I think that th there's so many things that we can do to help, but I really would love your opinion on what you guys think that would help. Um, Bobby saying Hot Wheels passed the law that says you don't have to serve people just because of their handicap. Oh, okay. And you're Hot Wheels, y'all. That's Bobby... Bobby Hot Wheels, you got to be talking about the governor, the one that's in, um, he's in a wheelchair, and I don't remember, I don't even remember his name, so you have to put his name on here, too, because I'm drawing a blank. But anyway, you guys, we're going to take a short break, I'm sorry, and um, we're going to be changing gears a little bit, so if you're listening, you're tuned in to Intimate Conversations with Talitha Kume on Hot 702.5 FM, you guys, and we will be right back after these short messages. Premium Grooming Essential. This, this products provides you with excellent this. hair and skin products, along with high quality grooming products for the hair of the future. Their multi-use professional product for barbers and cosmetologists will make your desired hairlines crisp, goatees, and eyebrows pleasingly crisp. Crisp, keeping your desired lines and shapes crisp. By Mook the Bar the Barber. Go to www.crispproducts.com. C R I S P R O D Crisp. C Mook T S Barber today. Crisp. Mook the Barber. Crisp. Mook the Barber.
guys welcome back and we are talking about the homeless population you guys the underprivileged and forgotten community that lives with us in this beautiful tourist town of las vegas and so um i often wonder what would uh those visiting vegas really do or how would they feel if they could drive around the city and see the real las vegas you um, that most of them will never ever see it's like um like when we got here when, when my husband and I got here and my brother my little brother we moved here um, we got out here we were GPSing right you know I use GPS to get around and so we're driving around trying to figure out you know where we're going and and uh, what we're doing and so we noticed that every single time we GPS or we map we mapped anything it would put us on the freeway as to not have to take the streets. And so we're like, okay, how come every time we map quest something or we're uh, using our GPS, it takes us around, um, it takes us to the strip. And so my personal opinion was, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, some of you guys might know, that I, I felt like, one, of course, Las Vegas is about the strip. So anytime they can get you uh, to surrounded by those big lights and big buildings and casinos and everything like that and that's a good thing because that's just automatic promotion but the other thing is that I feel like they don't want us to see the city 
They don't want us to see the city um, because if people had to go through the streets, the actual streets of Las Vegas to see the real Las Vegas, um, it's possible that they they might not feel as good as they do gambling, uh, knowing that just, you know, 10 minutes away or five minutes away that there is this community of homeless people who are um, who are sitting here waiting, you know, for a helping hand. And so um, I, I, I looked at it, I looked up another article, you guys, about um, homelessness specific in Las Vegas, according to the um, Las Vegas Sun. And so um, it was just saying that the, the community, the, there's a lot of homeless communities that are minutes away from million, billion dollar casinos living in uh, sewers because they can't find a job, right? Um, and it says in Las Vegas, in the in Las Vegas Sun, uh, they interviewed eight homeless people on the world famous strip. And so it gave, um, it just gave a list and I'm just gonna read uh, some of what they said. They said that one of them was a 60 year old woman who only identified herself as Stephanie because she didn't want her six adult children to know that she's um, homeless. And she said she bemoaned that the city of Las Vegas, with all of its opulence and endless wealth, could not do more to help its homeless. So she was just saying that that it was a shame that the city of Las Vegas, with the wealth that we do have or that we've acquired, and this is pre you know pre COVID, of course, that it um, that we weren't doing more to help the homeless. It says some figures per casinos from visitors add up to over half a million dollars per day. Yet Stephanie tells the Las Vegas Sun she gets dirty looks from other women who walk past her. And she said one even suggested that she prostitute herself to get off the streets. And she said that they don't understand uh, because homelessness can happen to anyone. Another woman had to go on um, had to go on depression medication after a false drug charge resulted in her losing her apartment and custody rights of her young child. And that's how she ended up on the streets. Um, another, a man was lured to Vegas from Phoenix with the promise of a job, which came on the heels of the death of his wife, and then he lost his home. That's one of the reasons why he was homeless. Another confessed to a heroin addiction, but said he was getting methadone treatment, so he was trying to get help, but he ended up homeless. A 61-year-old man moved from Texas, where we hail from, to Las Vegas, trying to win a million dollars, he said. The economy, he says, is why he's homeless. Of the 922 people responding to the Southern um, Nevada Homeless Census and survey, 53.5% said that the loss of their job was the primary reason for their homelessness. So 53.5% of them that are out there on the streets right now, according to this survey or this census, is because simply they lost their jobs. They need another job or they need another source of income. And it says homeless shelters will not take him in because of his criminal record. And so he sleeps wherever he can until he until the police tell him to leave. And so that's the majority of our homeless population. Like I was saying, when I go down the streets and I'm headed to my job, um, there are days when we see the um, the police kind of sweeping the streets, so to speak, and they're trying to get them off of the streets. And then there are days when they're just kind of camped out. Um, looking like they're just, you know, just waiting for the next whatever it is. Um, and so um, the remains of COVID-19, um, even though they're lingering, we are all up in the air. We're all up in the air right now, you guys. We're all up in the air because um, we don't know who's going to get ill, who's not going to get ill, what family member's going to get ill, what family member's not going to get ill. We don't know what's going on with our jobs. Even though we're trying to get back to some sense of normalcy, we still don't know um, and, 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 and project the projections of next year. We have no clue on how this virus is going to affect us and how the economy is going to bounce back, specifically Las Vegas, because we're one of the biggest tourist, um, tourist cities in the country, I believe, when I was looking up um, more research. And so we highly depend on tourists coming into our city, being able to travel into our city, not sick, but being able to travel into our city to be able to put back into our city, right? And so Right now, I believe we're all on edge. And so um, the, the, the homelessness might be the least of our worries. We just don't know. But if we don't do anything to help now, who's to say that that might not be us?
within the next few years. Who's to say that that might not be us? Hell, like the, within the next year. Hey, Nadasin, how are you? Um, so I wanted to look up Trump and Biden's thoughts in the situation, uh, on the situation of homelessness, and I found a few things that were pretty interesting, you guys, um, as we await the election, um, the, uh, the final numbers. So Trump had passed some type of bill, some, some bill he passed. I don't even know what the name of it was. Um, but it said um, what the research that I found um, in the article that I read, it said that Trump has taken no major steps to relieve homelessness or expand the supply of low-cost housing. Um, a, a White House spokesman said that the president deserved credit for revitalizing urban communities in part by building the most inclusive economy in American history. But Trump's signature housing initiative has been the repeal of a rule requiring communities to build low-cost units in neighborhoods where it can relieve racial segregation in housing. The rule was called the Affirmative, Affirmatively Furthering Fair Housing, and it was issued by President Obama to enforce the Fair Housing Act which is one of the landmark civil rights laws of, 19, of the 1960s. So Obama passed this, um, this affirmatively furthering fair housing, saying that he wanted to build low-cost units in neighborhoods to kind of relieve some of the racial tension or the racial segregation. But mid-November, and I'm, I think this is mid-November when Trump actually took office, which was four years ago, um, he fired the head of the U.S. Interagency, inter I'm sorry, Council on Homelessness, and he um, introduced a man by the name of Robert Marbutt, and he was the replacement for the guy that was there. And they were saying that when he did replace the other guy with Robert Marbutt, that that might have been the worst decision that he could make because they felt like this appointment of this Robert, Mr. Marbutt, it actually was a setback from what we had experienced under the Obama administration. And so one of the things that I took from Mar, but he wrote, um, he wrote some things himself, and he was um, in some of the interviews that he's been doing, he was talking about the homeless, um, the homeless population and how to address the issues with them, right? And so he said that um, of critical, critical of cities that focus on symptoms of homelessness, he was critical of cities that focus on the symptoms of homelessness, such as food, clothing, and emergency shelter, rather than the root causes. The root triggers and causes of homelessness. And he said that are almost, they're almost all behavioral health in nature, such as addiction, post-traumatic stress disorder, and domestic violence. So he says in order to engage in meaningful recovery, the focus must be on the root triggers of the homelessness and not the symptoms. But if you um, listen to what I read earlier, over 53% of those people that are homeless, there there is no uh, mental illness. There is no post-traumatic stress disorder. There's none of that. A lot of them just lost their dang on jobs, and they need a handout. They need a break. They need to be able to have somebody say, hey, I'll come alongside you and help you to figure this thing out, or we can figure this thing out together. And so I, I kind of... I kind of disagree with that. Um, I, I agree with what he's trying to say, but I disagree with the fact that all of it is stemmed from that because that's a generalization that he can't um, that he can't factually make. Uh, but but in all of that, Trump was saying that he was happy to inform all of the people living in their suburban lifestyle dream that they will no longer be bothered or financially hurt by having low-income housing built in their neighborhoods. So basically, Trump was just worried about the fact that building low-income housing in the neighborhoods, it brings a property value down. And so he was saying to the people that are in those neighborhoods, you'll be happy to know that we're not going to do that. We're not going to build low-income houses in your neighborhoods. And then that way, the suburban housewives are going to um, be happy that their neighborhoods stay clean and that there's less violence and um, less crime and that uh, that they will vote for him, which is ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, I, I digress. Uh, Biden promised to reinstate the fair housing rules scrapped by Trump. He has also pledged emergency housing support for tenants threatened with eviction during the pandemic. He says that Trump's order putting a moratorium on evictions was woefully inadequate to deal with the emerging housing crisis, especially going on right now. 
Without a comprehensive plan to help our American families make rent, they will leave this crisis months behind on their payments while many landlords teeter on the verge of bankruptcy. This is what Biden was saying in August. And so he said that he has decided to, if he gets in office, he has pledged that he will, um, that, that, that there's a sharp increase in Section 8 rent subsidies to ensure that they're available to all Americans whose income is low enough to qualify. And so he's saying that he would like to, um, it was a commercial, it was, uh, no, I don't think it's plan. It was, it was, what is that commercial plan? Is it a commercial playing in the background of me? Because I can't tell that it is unless that was uh, before. I don't hear anything. Yeah, I don't hear any commercial, so I'm not I'm not sure what you're talking about, Bobby. But and so Biden was just saying that he wanted to make sure that those that were able to qualify for Section Eight that they could qualify for Section Eight. Um, and then he said that the idea that we have so many people in California, which is the, the, the highest uh, state that has home, the homeless population, that he was so, um, so surprised that, that Californians didn't have enough help. And he said it's just not right. So he's going to fully fund housing and make it to where those people can get Section 8 so they don't have to, uh, they don't have to pay so much for trying to get housing. And then he also said that he was going, if he's elected president, he said he would also push for local governments to create eviction diversion programs that include both a payment plan and financial edu and a financial edu education component, component, I'm sorry. And then Biden would establish a $100 billion affordable housing fund to finance the upgrading of housing for low-income Americans. So he vowed that he's going to do this um, once he gets in office, if he gets in office and he's going to take care of the homeless population. And so I said, who's right, who's wrong? So I was saying that I agree that all of those who are seeking shelter should receive some kind of first-time assistance, like a first-time assistance program, like what Biden is talking about, trying to get them some help and then get them some education on how they can continue to um, better their finances um, so that they can budget their finances so that this type of thing doesn't happen again, provided, you know, of course, that they have jobs. And um, so so I, I believe that, that that is kind of the the, uh, the right direction. But I also, um, I agree with what Marbet said as far as just the, the fact that if we don't address the root problems that, you know, it's possible that we're just putting a Band-Aid on the situation. It's possible that we're just kind of, um, you know, dabbing the wound, putting the Band-Aid on there, and then uh, after long, you know, the Band-Aid's going to fall off, the wound is going to be cut open again, and then some of these people are going to be back on the streets. So are we enabling some homeless people to continue to be homeless or are giving uh, those help who will eventually wander back, you know, into the streets? or And in doing that, are we taking away from those who really need it? Um, to rebuild their lives. Well, I don't know. I, I'm not sure about that. Someone, um, Nadison said, I am someone who was in property management, and I am here to tell you the fair housing system is woefully broken and has been for a very long time. These things are band-aids, is what I said, that won't have any effect on addressing the violence and crime that does permeate those communities with low-income housing. Welfare, fair housing, etc., are set up to assist in failure. So, not a sin. If you can hear me right now, give me um, something. Uh, go back on a thread and tell us why you believe that welfare, fair, ho fair housing, are assisting us in failure. So, you're basically saying that those of us who uh, do take that handout or are on that, that it's enabling us to continue to what, to ride the system, um, to not want to do better for ourselves? What are you trying to say in that, that it's a failure? Um, so uh, while she's answering me on that, in my research I found one article that stated that it would cost about $20 billion for the government to effectively eliminate homelessness in the, excuse me, in the United States, and that is just slightly less money than Americans spend on Christmas 
decorations, according to this analysis from a company called The Think Progress. So you guys, listen to that again. This article said that the government could spend about $20 billion and we could effectively eliminate homelessness in the United States. And all it would take was, what, one year of us, which possibly could be this year, we don't even know, um, of Americans not spending money on Christmas decorations or taking that money and funneling, funneling, funneling it into um, the process of helping to um, eliminate homelessness. And so that was really, really um, interesting to me. Interesting that we spend every year money on Christmas presents on, you know, what we're going to get for our mom, what we're going to get for our kids, uh, decorations, buying trees, buying ornaments, and all of these things. And we do all that. And then some of us, you know, who have a heart, we might go to a homeless shelter, Salvation Army, or whatever, sign up to work in a soup kitchen. But at the end of the day, all of that money that we spend on just telling our family we love them, you know, because that's pretty much what we do it for every Christmas. We spend time with each other, buy presents because society has told us that that's what we're supposed to do. And then, uh, you know, tell them we love them and go on about our way when that money could be used um, in, in so many other different ways. So I just want to know what you guys think about that as I wait for Nada Sin to tell me why she thinks that the welfare, fair housing is assisted to f make us fail. That's a that's a really, really cruel statement if, if that is the case. Um, so the article also said that the only place more improbable than the Las Vegas Strip is what lies beneath it. Under the casinos that make over a half a million dollars every day, under the hotel on under the hotels, I'm sorry, that host performances by some of the biggest names in entertainment and under the attractions that bring in tens of millions of tourists every year, an entire population of people struggling with mental health, substance abuse or gambling problems, or loss of jobs lives in the shadows. That is absolutely um it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy that in a city like we have that two steps two streets away there are people who are winning millions there are people who are spending millions and then on that other street there are people who um, are digging in trash cans trying to figure out what they're going to eat trying to figure out where they're going to shower trying to figure out where they're going to sleep and so to me, and this is just my opinion, if any place had um, a great homeless, um, a homeless uh, advocacy, it would be Las Vegas. It would be Las Vegas. It would be those casinos taking portions of their money to contribute and give back to those that are less fortunate or to give back to those people who came into the casinos, <laughs> into their casinos and lost every doggone thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, because I believe that Las Vegas was set up, you know, of course, to, um, to, to, to make money, you know, because every city is. But at the end of the day, I believe that Las Vegas was just set up for people to enjoy themselves, to have fun. You know what I'm saying? And so that's kind of how I treat it, especially moving here. Like, I moved here knowing what Las Vegas was. I had no false uh, preconceptions of, of what it was. I knew exactly what it was, and I... Um, I pass by casinos, y'all. I don't even go to casinos because that's not my thing. You know, that's not my vice. That's not something that I want to be a part of. But if I did decide to do it, you know, I would be responsible to take, you know, $10, $15, $20 or whatever, go punch a slot machine or whatever, play a blackjack or whatever, have a good time and then be on my way. And so I believe that a lot of people who are out here surviving, um, a lot of people who are out here who don't get caught up in that um, they're the people who honestly understand that um, you have to be responsible in everything that you do. And you can't let this city swallow you up with the, the bright lights and the, the opportunities to win big because sometimes, um, or nine times out of ten, it's just not the case. And so I'm not sure. I would dare to say that Anybody who moves to Las Vegas who has any type of addictive personality, this might not be the city for you. 
and I'm being totally honest. If you have any type of addictive personality where you you know you're you're the type of person you start something or you get involved in something and you just go 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 and that's just all that you want to do at that moment um or, or anything like that then that you can be borderline addictive and and coming out here um in this city like I think my brother told me before we moved out here he was saying whatever your vice is you can find it in Las Vegas and once you get here it's magnified to the 10th percentile. So if I am a person who, you know, if I'm a person who does drugs or whatever, um, I come out here to Las Vegas, it's magnified to the 10th percentile, which means that if I do drugs wherever I came from, I come here, then I can do more and more. I mean, it's nothing. I can do more and more drugs easily accessible for me, all of these things. And the next thing you know, I'm one of those homeless uh, substance abuse people living on the side of the street or living in the sewers because of my addictive, you know, personality or whatever. So what do we do? What do we do, you guys? Um, I said that we have a heart and we give. We meet people where they are. If you see people that are homeless and may be in need of some help, if you can offer help, do it. If you can offer help. Um, I know it may be hard nowadays with the government trying to change all of our money into digital dollars. Um, and I'm going to read what she said in a minute. Um, uh, digital dollars, because now, you know, we notice that we can't really give someone a dollar or even 50 cents because we really don't have it anymore. We don't have it to give. So that would behoove you to try something different. Buy them a meal. Take them in the store and purchase something for them. Um, I believe that it is high time that we do better as a human race when it comes to that population. Let me see what um, Nada Sin says. Let me see, because she answered my question. And I guess it took a long time. Yeah, it took a long time. So she said, a single woman with children uses welfare, fair housing to get back on her feet. But if the baby daddy stays with her, she gets kicked off of welfare either because his income barely takes them over the cap, or in many cases that I have seen firsthand, she wants to live the good life, so the baby daddy stays there. She doesn't report him staying there, and the breaks, and that breaks all the rules so they can keep living off of taxpayers' dollars rather than the baby's daddy's income. People can actually inherit housing vouchers, which means a grandson inherited his grandmother's housing voucher. That is insane. People are passing down vouchers that have been in their family for 20 to 30 years. These are things that I have experienced firsthand. Many folks that are doing this seem to have no interest or understanding of how to build wealth or become financially independent. They often don't even understand that they are using somebody else's tax dime to live. The sense of entitlement is off the charts. And Bobby said, speaking of the system, I just found out that there is a big scandal around that uh, SBA loan or the small business uh, loan or whatever that people were getting. And so Nadasin was basically just saying that a lot of women who are on the system, it, it's better for them to be single with children on the system, whether than to have um, a significant other living in the household with them. And if they do have a significant other living in the household with them, that they they are going to count that that person's income as well and if that person has income even though it might not be a substantial amount of income that they will kick them off of the system which uh perpetuates them to either not have a significant other in the household or for them to lie about it and then you know then break the rules as far as the vouchers are concerned and so she was also saying that some of the families instead of passing on generational wealth like our white counterparts do or our Asian counterparts do that they um, they are passing down housing vouchers. So if my grandmother was on Section 8 and she was, you know, just living her best life, getting assistance or, you know, paying $30 a month for rent or whatever, she's passing her voucher down to her children, which can pass that down to their children. And so these years or these generations of families are using the system to live 
but they're not being taught how to get off of the system to truly live, if that makes sense. So I can understand that. I can understand what you're saying out of sin now. And then you being in property management, you're saying that you've seen this. You're seeing that this is happening in our communities, which is terrible. So basically, the government would rather have us live off of them so that they can control us. Just say what it is so they can control us. And um, and we have to answer to them instead of us finding it and getting it on our own. And that is absolutely crazy. Thank you for posting that. I really um, I didn't even know that. But um, thank you for posting that. And so food for the soul, um, intimate conversations. We are going to put in our time, money and energy where our mouth is. We will be launching a personal care for the streets. Uh, drive where we will be collecting personal hygiene items to hand out to those less fortunate than us starting November the 13th. So you guys, if you guys would like to be a part of this movement and donate, or you would be willing to be a drop off location so others can drop off items, please hit us up on, on our FB or our Instagram pages at food for the soul media group. So you guys, we are going to be launching a personal care for the streets drive where we're going to be collecting personal hygiene uh, items starting November the 13th. And you guys, that is our show. I thank you guys so much for joining in. Sorry I had so many technical difficulties. As we patiently await who will be our next slave master, I mean president, prayerfully, whoever it is, they earn our vote and uh, they do what it is that they promised that they would do, especially for my people. And yes, I'm biased. I said, especially for my people. I hope that they do what they said they're going to do. I thank you guys for tuning in. Remember to catch us live every Friday, 1 p.m. PST here on Hot 702.5 FM Radio. Catch us live on the MIXLR downloaded from Google Play or Apple Store. Watch us live on FB on Hot 702.5 FM or Food for the Soul Media Group. And catch our rewind shows on Anchor or Spotify at Food for the Soul Media Group, and make sure you subscribe to our all of our social media outlets. And then tune in next Monday for our Movie Mondays at 6 p.m. when Bobby B. and I will be discussing the movie, I think it's entitled Requiem for a Dream. Y'all, I don't know how to pronounce that at all. But um, our show is sponsored in part today by Chris Products, by Mook the Barber, Isla Cole the Stylist, and Orlay Worldwide. It's your girl, Talitha Kume, giving you something to talk about. I'll talk to you guys later. Premium grooming essential. This, this products provides you with excellent yes. hair and skin products, along with high quality grooming products for the hair of the future. Their multi-use professional product for barbers and cosmetologists will make your desired hairlines, goatees, and eyebrows pleasingly crisp. Crisp, keeping your desired lines and shapes crisp. By Mook the Barber. The Barber. Go to www.crispproducts.com. C R I S P R O D. Crisp. C Mook T S. The Barber. Today. Crisp.